Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, I am with the man of the future, although some people might say he's the man of now. Max Ajoma. Max, how are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. Yourself? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. So, let me get this right. We are recording at, what, 2.30? You've just come from a speed session. Um, yeah, yeah, we've got, um, there's a, there's a very good coach in Bath, Al Murdoch, who runs Speedworks. He's partnered with Jonah, who's up in Loughborough. And I think in the off season, just to keep ticking over, a lot of boys think this is the chance you can get, you can get quicker because speed kills really. Yeah, it does. Now, that's a weird one because you said Speedwork and I, that didn't throw me because of course you, you, you pros are working on everything all the time. I never really think of you as a particularly fast player and not because you're not fast, but because I'm always thinking about, your ball skills, the kicking, the passing, the range of passing. Uh, I don't really see you run that much. So what are you like as an athlete? Do, do, do you particularly rate yourself? Um, I'm, I'm quite quick off the mark. Like my top speed's not great. Um, but in terms of like the first 10 metres, yeah, it's good. I just, I really want to almost like take JJ's role. Do you feel me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't do it as much now because he plays more as a playmaker. But back in the day, he would just stand someone up and go around the outside of them. Yeah. And I just feel like as a player, if you can be, you know, undefendable in you know the three facets like kick, run, pass, like how do you defend someone? Mate, you're absolutely right. And I'm so glad you brought up JJ because I've been saying this for ages. I think he's changed the way he play plays. I, I saw him like when I first saw JJ, he was playing for London Irish against Sale, and he just destroyed people on on the outside. <laughs> And now you watch him, and he can do—he can basically do an impression of you, or he can do an impression of Cam Redpath. But he does still have that danger as well on the outside. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. But that you know shows what a great player he is because you know the the longevity of this career. You know, you're not going to be quick your whole time. No. And JJ's still quick, but you know, to to stand someone up and take them on the outside, you're talking you know Zamet pace, really. Yeah, so completely agree. You, you have to have that. You know, if I can ball play now. I'll, you'll always be able to ball play. So that's what I'm always trying to work on because that, that really allows you to play into your 30s. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Being a great athlete is it's nice when you can do it, but I also think it sort of limits you because I think there's so many lads out there who started as great athletes and because they are so great at, say, running or just being strong, they kind of neglect the rest of their game. And they do run out of steam when they come 29, 30. I mean, I remember P.S. Beast, who was going to be the ultimate. Mm. He wasn't a very good rugby player, actually. He's just a very good athlete. Yeah, and that, you see that a lot with, especially with people that have been huge. The, the easiest one is kids that were massive, you know, yeah. that were unreal when they're eighteen, and then you go into the pro game, and you know everyone's big. Like you've always got someone bigger than you, so 
you know, it, it's almost on the, the school coaches, the academy coaches to make sure people are well-rounded so that they can find their niche once they're into the programme. So, I mean, everyone knows, I, I mean, I guess everybody knows you as son of Steve, although I imagine soon that will change and everyone will know Steve as uh, father of father of Max. <laughs> but like, what is your route into the game? Obviously, your dad played. Where were you playing before you were at Bath? I've, mate, I've always been in Bath. Genuine. I've, I've, I grew up here. Um, I played touch rugby for, I played like minis for Bath RFC and then went to Chippenham from under 12s onwards and then it was the classic county ACAD into the into the system. Oh, right. So so have you played much, I call it club rugby, anything which isn't pro, I call cl- club uh, uh, club. So have you played yeah. much in like the lower leagues at all? Have you always just been in the in that academy system? No, so I was I, I decided to go to uni. So I'm at Uni of Bath. So for my first year, I think I played like five bucks games. Impossibly, Have you? impossibly hard, mate. Wow, like, I don't know why, but it was the hardest rugby I've played. So are you playing in the Wednesday teams? I was, yeah. So for first year, I did, and then I went away with twenties, and then COVID happened. Yeah, and then squad sizes got dropped, and then suddenly I was needed in training more, and then. You kind of broke into oh, the team. Of course, yeah. Squad size dropped because of the cap. Tell me about Bucks because I always find it really interesting. There's this league in the UK, well, England essentially, which is just super competitive and nobody watches it. Yeah. Um, they don't really put it out there that much. They only film like one game every fortnight. Um, and, you know, you get, you won't always say it's the best rugby to watch because it's a Wednesday night. It's flipping wet, rainy, cold. But it's, it's really hard when you're there because coming into the league as a fresher, so you're 18, you're playing against people that are, you know, 23 and above. Yeah. And everyone's big because it's the uni lifestyle. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and I guess being a being a pro as you are now, you don't quite... Yeah, it must be a difficult sort of position you're in because you don't get to enjoy the uni lifestyle as much as you could do, I guess. No, no. I mean, I made a big point of it. I always said, so last season... I wasn't, especially at the start, I wasn't that professional because I, I said when I broke through, I was still like going with the uni lifestyle and yeah. I was thinking to myself, oh, sick. Like I can, I can do both. Like um, I can still go out, you know, you know, a couple of times, but as, as the season went on and you start realizing how long the season is, it just kind of, it kind of went away. Me and my friends being the, the third years now, 21, we kind of just, um, Stop going out midweek, really. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. So in your mind, do you think you were always going to play for Bath? Was that from being, I don't know, 15, 16, you always thought, yeah, I'll probably end up being, being a professional rugby player? Or is this a relatively recent thing as you've got better? Um, I, I had quite a like, weird journey. So I was, I played eight until year 11. Uh-huh. And I was, you know, I was decent, but I was just ball skills. So I was just fucking miss passes from eight. Yeah. And, uh, and then I got moved to 12 for the under 17 season. So like the first year of 18s league with Bath and I didn't know how to defend set piece. So I got rinsed, mate. Like probably played myself out of a contract. And <laughs> got dropped from the team and everything. And that that was tough, to be honest. Like, that was the first time I've had a real blip. And then for the 18 season, I, I just put a load of work in and then managed to find my, find my niche, really. I'm astonished. So you weren't actually a centre when... Well, what, from like 17? No, yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of moved from eight. It's quite an easy switch around. Like the the mate, the, my coach, Craig Lilly, who's now my ACAB manager, yeah. moved me. And he said, essentially, it's exactly the same. But 
we want the ball in your hands more, which I love. So yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, because I mean, I've heard of lots of players going from the ball handling positions. I mean, I'll give you an example. Josh Beaumont played 10, I think, when he was when he was back at Fylde and then moved over to second row. Uh, the other oh. one is, is it Flamant or however you say his name? The what? The old Wasp second row who plays seven for France. He was left. He, he was 10 at Leftborough. In, well, really? 13 yeah, and then 10. Same with like Alfie. Alfie was playing centre at school, wasn't he? That's right, yeah. Outside yeah. centre. Um, outside centre. Yeah, so I've heard it going that way, but I don't think I've heard it going the other way that often. Yeah, I, I don't know. I had a bit of a unique game style. Like, I really enjoyed stepping people and I really enjoyed passing it. And eight, you know, back then you don't really run strike moves. So it's just like pick and go, do yeah. your thing. Like, look for the ball. There's no real structure. That Yeah, that's really interesting because um, when I watch you play, well, there's two things that I thought when I first saw you play. And the, the reason I, th- I thought this is because I started watching rugby, like probably watching rugby about 20 years ago. The first season I I really focused on was when Northampton won their first European Cup. So it's about 20 years ago. So I didn't quite catch the end of your dad's career. So when I watched you play, I thought you must have a rugby league background and mm-hmm. you must also have played centre basically your entire life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that that league kind of feel was... A lot of my inspiration came from Carl Eastman's. You can tell. I, you can that was when I first tell. came through. Because I was... I was never like big. I was only fat because I looked at Manu and wanted to be like him. So I just ate loads when I was 18 and then was huge when I came in. <laughs> um, but I always looked at Carl and I just I just loved how jinky he was in his ball playing. And my ball playing is nowhere near his, but that's that's always what I aspire to be, like a hybrid between him and JJ. Did you manage to train much with Kyle Eastman when he was at Bath? No, that I think I watched him in my last year at school and then he left. Yeah. And then when I came in, I had Josh Matavesi and... Um, Jax Willison. Yeah. Now, Josh Matavesi is actually a mix somewhere between Carl Eastman and Manu Tuolangi. There is a, a continuum of players, and he's right in the middle there. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, Carl Eastman's a really interesting player. I've never interviewed him. I, I, I wish I had. But there's two players who, when I ask you know, who was the best player that you've ever played with, two names always come up, or, or against Ben Moon. Uh, all tight heads say Ben Moon is an excellent loose head. Really? Yeah, and the other one is Carl Eastman. Rob Webber said it. Carl Ferns said it. Uh, Nathan Cat said it. Said you know this guy is the best guy that we've ever played with. And for all his skills and whatnot, it turns out that what they loved about him is the way he talks to them, the way he puts them into holes, tells them what to do. I think yeah. that's a hell of a skill. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's underrated. I used to say. Um, to people that were coming to watch me or were scouting me, I used to say, like, you need to be at the game to understand what I'm doing because you'll be able to hear me when I, when you're next to the pitch. On TV, you don't hear anything. Like, we've got such a vocal backline when, like, all the backs at Bath are vocal um, and we we very much, like, run second receiver calls to plays. Yes. And if you think about your 10, your 10's always watching the ball coming from nine, so he can't really watch what's outside him. Yeah. So as a 12 or second receiver... If you tell the 10, all he has to do is catch and pass. Yes, exactly. We were having this conversation on egg chases on maybe this week or maybe last week. Like, how do people go about that? Because obviously England have got Owen and George, or sorry, Owen Farrell, Marcus Smith as it is now, that 10-12. And I actually don't think it works that well, just having two 10s. I think it's better if you've got like an, like an Esther Hazen type, because, you know, yeah. eventually you might want to run. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's weird. It's really weird. It, I, I've played 10 before. When you don't have a vocal 12, it ruins you. Um, 
Yeah. If you don't have a local 12, you almost need your Manu or SAs and type 12. Um, I've never been at camp with Faz, but from what I've seen, he talks the most out of anyone. Yeah. Um, and you got to remember, like, it takes time to build a 10-12 partnership. And Marcus and um, Owen are only doing it at camp or when they're playing. So the, the time frame to actually build those connections is so small. Yeah. Who, bring, who do you think brings out the best in you when you're playing for Bath? Probably JJ. When I'm, it's just, it's weird. So attack, I can, you know, you can almost just leave me out there. I feel comfortable in attack. It's more in defence. When I've got JJ outside me, I know he's always going to make the right decision. Yes. So I will be the loose end. So basically I'm saying to myself, okay, don't fuck up here. Then I'll be sweet. And then in attack, there's nothing better than having, a, you know, a 12 and a 13 that can play both roles. Because, I, you know, if the if the ball, you know, pisses off to the right side of the field and I'm on the left side, I know JJ will go second receiver and I don't have to worry. Oh, I can, see. Yeah. I can okay. In the wide channel. So it makes you a lot more efficient and you can scan a lot more. That's interesting. Yeah, because you've got so much talent in the centres now because, you know, we spoke about JJ. Uh, um, obviously, you've got your set of skills. You've also got Cam Redpath in the mix and he can do he can do the occasional thing here and there. Occasional, mate. Cam's fucking mint. Um, <laughs> I, had him, I had him outside me when we played Quince and that was like my first game at 10, his first game at 12 outside me. Now, was and that one of the games, one of the few games this year you won was with you at 10, was it not? The best day of my life. Was it? <laughs> the best day of my life. Tell yeah. me more. It was just like the, almost like the disrespect for us coming into the game. You know, you got me at 10, you got Cam coming back. Um, we've lost so many games. You're playing against the champs at home, you know, on a Friday night and Bath's bumping. And then to turn around and win it, my days. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I, it, I guess, I mean, I know you've got to tread carefully here, but been a difficult year at Bath and I think short term everyone might be a little bit miserable about where you've ended up this season I think long term though you can't help but look at that squad and think yeah okay you only need a few things to go right I think in order to make huge progress yeah yeah and um you know one of those small things we said was you know as a team if you just win your home games I know it's easier said than done if you win your home games you're top six yeah so you you know, and and actually, if you look at our not our results, but how we've played, like we're always we were better at home last season, and you know, if you can win all your games bar two, and then you'll pick up your away wins, you know, here and there, you you know, you're, you'll actually be sweet come the end of the season. Yeah, how how did you prepare differently for playing ten rather than twelve? Is there any difference, or did you actually have to do other things? Um, I found it a lot more stressful. I'm quite, I'm so relaxed when I'm playing. Like you, you can see, that's why I'm chucking miss passes, yeah. touch and stuff. Um, but when I was playing 10, it's, you're thinking the whole time, okay, they're box kicking to us. Watch horse catch it. Does horse make ground? No. All right, set up for the kick straight away. Okay, are we playing in the right areas of the field? Um, are we, am I, you know, I've got to sit in backfield in defence, like little things oh, like yeah, that. Of course, yeah. So when, we, when we finished the game, I, I had a headache because I I just didn't even want to celebrate because I was so fried. Yeah. How was your analysis session after that? Was it generally quite positive with everything that you'd done? And also, that's another thing which I, I kind of think, which is maybe someone with your sort of talents is better off at 12, just so you can relax and, you know, pull the strings and do the necessary stuff. And maybe someone with a little bit more discipline, a kind of, I can't think really, like a Dan Bigger type, just does need to sit at 10. So he, he can do all, all that boring stuff. Or maybe everyone just needs to forget themselves a little bit and play a bit more naturally. I don't, I don't know what the right answer is, actually. Um, yeah, you, 
you get a big mix. So I personally, from previous like previous experiences, I find it easier playing with an orthodox ten. When I say orthodox, I mean like your up and down pass kick. Yeah. Um, and I find Orlando, Priestland, like those guys, they've been perfect for me. Um, it's when I went to camp for the first time, um, and I was playing with Marcus and Jacob Umanga, and those guys are like a lot more. You know, they yeah. they do a lot more of their playmaking for their teams. So when I'm there, it's almost like. I don't really know what to say because we're not on the same wavelength. Yeah, and it's a. I think backlines are fascinating because this is a point that England have, I guess, which is loads of talent, loads of playmakers. But I think at some point you do need somebody to go forward. Yeah, you do need yeah. someone to catch the ball and just run. I mean, in in your team, who would that be? I mean, Horse would be a, a, a great. Sorry, Will Muir would be a great example. Or Joe, like someone like that. Yeah, just go forward. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that is kind of where we, you know, where we, you could say we'd come apart as a team. It was good because we had Clarkie last season. He's actually quite big. Yeah. But, you know, if you're saying our centres of me, JJ, Cam and Max Wright, we're not, we're not huge. You've got Will Butt, who's, who's played on the wing a bit, but we're not huge. So we, we do rely on, you know, our precision off our strike moves and our forward pack quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I think like, I think you can tell that because the Bath pack is, again, full of big names very very good but you but you do rely on them quite a lot i think when bath play they try and play with almost too much intensity and i think when that intensity sort of dies down they struggle for what what, what's our plan b yeah yeah it was tough so i remember the start of the season it was really tough because it was like if we dropped the ball it was essentially a scrum penalty to them yeah and and you know games where your line outs faltering so you know set piece is so important for us um and that was tough at times so so as backs we were almost trying too hard to force something and then you drop a ball and then it's a scrum your forwards are getting knackered you know and then you start getting beaten around the park yeah how much of winning do you think in the premiership because i look at all the premiership teams now and broadly speaking when everyone's got their first 15 out there's not much to choose between the worst team and the best team in fact actually we'll use uh, uh, uh yourselves this year bath's first 15 is not much worse than Leicester's first 15. In fact, you might argue that there's hardly anything in it. So how much of winning do you think in the Premiership is just mindset and getting into the habits of winning? It's interesting you say this. So someone actually came to me when we were losing loads of games and they said winning is just as much of a mindset as losing is. Yeah. And it's, it is so hard to get out of it. And I bet when you're winning, like, how would you say, if I, you know, Leicester's team... It must be flipping easy. You rock up to training. Everyone's on it from go. You know, everyone's excited. You don't really have to turn anything around. You don't have to make too many changes. Yeah, completely agree. I, I think it's almost like when you're winning, you... Well, sorry, when you're losing, you forget how hard winning is. And when you're winning, um, it doesn't feel that hard like that hard at all. The things which feel really difficult when you're losing become very, very easy. It, it's hard to explain. It's like a momentum thing, I think. Yeah, and you know it. It's a it is a league of such fine margins. Like this, this year, especially playing, made me realise how much you know discipline, especially in terms of cards. Like when you go down to fourteen men, you're getting killed. Like yes. stuff like that really ruins you. Like it ruins you. Those ten minutes really get you. Yeah. Um. Just change the subject a bit. Have you met Johan Gran yet? Is he knocking about Bath? No, I actually haven't. He's only because obviously he had his ties with Munster. Yeah. So. A lot of his work was being done through Ed Griffiths, which is another story. Oh, yeah. Then, that's, uh, let, let, let's shelve that for another time. 
<laughs> and then um, with Johan, I think I'm pretty sure he's just moved to Bath. Um, I don't know about the other coaches, but I know he's moved to Bath. We've got all our SNC plans. We come back into preseason on the 11th, and then I think it'll be all things go. Oh, uh, I see. So uh, are you starting the preseason on Sunday? On Monday, that'll be. Yeah, I see. That, yeah, yeah. You should take him like a, a little hamper of food round. Make sure he's moved in well. I mean, trust me. <laughs> That's what I tried to do last year. <laughs> so I was at camp the whole time. So I missed five weeks of preseason. Yeah. So I was like, even in those five weeks, I was still coming in. Oh, you know, do you want to have a meeting? Exactly. Just like, Don't forget me, like kind of job. So has, um, has, uh, have any of the boys heard from Van Gran yet? Is he, is he doing Zoom calls? Is there anything happening or is it all? Sort yeah, of- yeah. I think a lot of the, we say senior players. So that's your, your JJs, your McAnally's, the older first team of lads. Like a lot of them have been in chats with him talking about what, what has worked well. Cause you got to remember the, the young boys say me and Orlando are, our, our perspective is so narrow because we've only had one coach. So no matter who comes in, chances are we're probably going to say they're good. Yeah, never know a bad coach because we, you know, oh, that's a great point, isn't it? That's a really good point because uh, being a pro, your coach has been, uh, and not to disparage these guys, but you've probably only had Neil Hatley, whoever else is at Bath at the time. Who who, who was attack coach last year? You had um, Dave Wilson. That's right. Yeah. So you've only had like a hand. Not Wilson, my bad. (laughs) Yeah, Dave. Dave. Uh, I thought you had someone with a rugby league background, though. I don't know why I thought that. No, 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 we didn't, we didn't. Well, let's just skip past that. Um, yeah, but it is an interesting point because, of course, um, yeah, you, you wouldn't have had that many coaches. Who, who did you deal with in age grade at England? Who did I have? I had Dicko, Alan Dickinson. Dickinson, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's his league background. I know he came from Saints. Yeah, so... he came from Saints. I don't know if he is league background, but they had... Yeah. Dickinson, I always thought he looked a lot like uh, Malinder, and he looked a lot like <laughs> yeah, uh, King, yeah. and they all sort of have a pretty ubiquitous look. Yeah, and um, he's a, he's a very good coach. Um, I can see him staying with the twenties for a while. Um, he, you know, I love having new coaches, um, or you know, just experiencing new coaches, new tens, like different things, because you can, you know, you can almost get more of a holistic image for the game. Yeah. So one of the lads at Sale this year. Um, has been offered uh, on the off season, like just just to develop his game. One of the younger boys uh, has been. I think he's got gone off to Australia to to one of the NRL teams, which I think is a really cool way to. Yeah, I'm uh, trying to think who it was. Uh, I think it's I think it's uh, I think it's Rafi. I think I might be talking Rafi. out of the turn there because he asked, "Can I develop myself over the summer?" And yeah, go yeah. go to Wigan. He's like, nah, "I'd rather go to the NRL." Yeah, so I yeah. think I think he's gone, but don't take that as a gospel. But I think that's an awesome way just to see a new environment, learn a few new tricks. It'd, it'd be great. Yeah, look at um Joe Marchant. Yeah, he, I was he spent a year in um in New Zealand. That's something I'd love to do. Also, I'm half my mum's Kiwi, so over oh, a couple of years. yeah. But I'd, I'd love to go across just to experience it. It's I've kind of timed it terribly because if you know you can't play twenty games for Bath. And then go and play another, you know, ten games in summer. To well, then another season. Do you know? Funnily enough, the salary cap might work in your favour now because obviously wages are getting compressed. And yeah, I think for a lot of lads now, they're not earning what they thought they'd be earning. Say, if you were coming into professional rugby pre-COVID, I think you'd be expecting a lot more money than potentially what is on the table now. And you know that goes for everyone. But in a way, I think that really works into young players' hands because they can actually afford now to go over 
to France or go over to New Zealand or wherever it is, even if it's just for a year. And there's a very weird phenomena in English rugby, which is the further away you are from English rugby, the better people think you are. Yeah, because they they don't see the they only see the highlights. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and this is I, I'm not making a judgment on these players whatsoever. But Piers Francis came back from the Blues like he was you know the second Dan Carter. Uh, Matt, yeah. Matt yeah. Simons, uh, you know, he came back with a massive, massively enhanced reputation. Uh, who else is there? Oh, the uh, your boy Zach Mercer just got one of the match in the top fourteen mm-hmm. final. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll be clamoring for I'll, I'll, I'll give it to Zach. I think Zach's is the most impressive because everybody knows how good the French clubs are. But it's actually quite weird how well he's done. Like, really weird. Yeah, I think he might have done well because he breaks the mould. So if you think about how massive that Montpellier pack is, if you mm. have someone like Zach who's, you know, when they're all zigging, he's zagging, I think that could be quite effective, you know. Exactly. And it worked. It just played so well. Like, they, they, they worked so well as a team. Um... Yeah, I feel like because we don't do any like intercontinental club games, so we never play. We never play anyone from you know Europe, apart from the South African teams now. But you know, Saracens were meant to play the Crusaders, was it? And then it got cancelled. Oh yeah, yeah, that's so right. That, that would have been class just to see. Right, you always wonder. So would Saracens structure plus game beat you know the Crusaders playing you know playing out their twenty two? What do you think? Where where do you stand on this debate? Um. I just, uh, you know, in open play, I think, you know, you can, it's easier to defend than it is to, to break someone down, if, you, if that makes sense. I think if Sarri's, Sarri's defence is so simplistic, they would do well. Yeah. Uh, I think, therefore, it just goes to the set piece. And I, I do think Northern Hemisphere teams, apart from, you know, South Africa, I think Northern Hemisphere teams have better set pieces than Southern Hemisphere. So I would expect Sarri to just do exactly what they did in the final with Leicester, just kick over and over, let them make the mistakes, and then slowly work their way up the field. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm all for structure. I'm all for grinding people down structure. And if you want to put in a bit of stardust on top of that, by all means do so. But I think first and foremost, you've got to get your nuts and bolts nailed down. Otherwise, you know, what are we all doing here? Exactly, exactly. And it, it's it's such a boring thing to watch. But And, you know, rugby is a purist game, but it does get results. It does. But I also think for players like you to exist, you have to have players like Josh McNally existing. Otherwise, nothing works. And that's what yeah. I love about rugby union, which is, I mean, again, not that I'm saying he doesn't necessarily want the ball, but it is probably best that we have a load of players that don't want the ball and just want to hit rucks and do the things yeah. which nobody yeah. else wants to do. Exactly. And you'll see, um, that's why you it's almost like the era of DORs that stat merchants are coming through. So from what I've heard, you know, Rob Baxter, um, Borthwick, both of them are huge on their stats. So when yeah. they come to starting players in the off-season... You look at a player they've signed, you'd be like, what? Like, does that really add to the team? But they already know exactly what he's going to bring. It's, it's a bit like Moneyball. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Rob Baxter's fascinating. I got on the wrong side of Rob Baxter, actually, over, um, uh, uh, over a beer. And he can be quite sharp, he can be quite sharp as well when, when he wants to be. Um, as in, yeah, cu- uh, quite cutting. But he does, <laughs> he does all his own video, video analysis. Like, yeah, I go to say sale and they've got a video analysis team well rob baxter is the guy that does it at exeter and what i understand is one of the things he looks for apparently is movement patterns and i don't know what that means and he won't he won't tell anyone what that means but movement patterns are the thing which they look for when they're trying to sign players which i think is fascinating wow yeah i I mean i suppose it kind of makes sense especially if he's talking about 
movement pa- pa- patterns on the ball. So if you look at Exeter, a lot of their they they run a lot of drift attack. Yeah, you know, a lot of overs, a lot of stuff that if I ran when I was in age group, I'd be dropped for. You know, running across the pitch. Oh, okay, interesting. You sound like you do quite quite a lot of analysis. Uh, I don't. I'm just. I'm just a bit of a nose, to be honest. I really, I really enjoy watching the game. Like, I just, I, I love watching different styles. And uh, I think, I think it's, you know, it's, the game's quite methodical. So, if someone was to come to you, say, say Johan c- comes to you and says, "Look, um, I've seen all of last year's tape. The, the old guys are, are great, but you know, we're going to turn it o- over to the young guys. That, that's where the future is. How should we play rugby? What are you going to tell him?" Uh what, what would our, you do? With our players? With our, no, no, with not, our back line? Just, or, in, just in general. You know, we're going to build the team how you want it, Max. What do you want to do? How, how are we going to win? Just give me a, just give me a huge pack, a kicking nine and a kicking ten, and then you can pretty much pick whoever you want outside of that. Look at, I mean, look at Leicester. Yeah. You know, they got, like, I think, they have the highest kicking meters in the league this year, and it, you know, it showed because they, they won. Um, if you've got a massive pack, you win your lineups, you win your scrums, you've got a 10 that kicks when he needs to kick, you can you can almost choose then, do you want a defensive back line or do you want an attacking back line that will, you know, work it when, when you get go forward? Yeah, and if you've got someone like JJ, you pretty much have both. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've been in England camp, right? Yeah. Now, I've spoke to other players in England camp and it's sort of like a varied kind of... Um, well... They have varied opinions, but I think one of the things which comes through is just just the intensity. How how did you find it? Um, so I'd, I've been at summer series twice now. I did the whole thing last summer, and it was nuts, like nuts. Coming from two prem games or something, going into that training session, and you know you're just you're not getting run into the ground, but it, it is so intense. It's, it's a bit, I said it. I said to my dad, it's a bit like X Factor. You're you're really trying to perform so that you get picked the next week. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I would not... Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I'd be surprised if that has actually ended some professional careers, not professional careers, but international careers, because there is so much pressure on that training session. Some guys come in for a week or two and they're never seen again. Yeah, and it's not even physical side of the rugby. It's, it's the little things like, you don't want to be that one guy eating. So I'm, especially in COVID, we had, it was one, can you hear me? Yeah, sorry, you, you just dropped off. Can you start answering right. that again? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was saying it's more the more the mental side rather than physical. Like the physical side kind of looks after itself because everyone's conditioned. It it's the you know you're in a room by yourself. You don't want to be that one person that's late to a meeting. So I I found myself sleeping because I was <laughs> knackered. 
waking up at five, like in a, you know, in a, in a cold sweat, checking my phone, like, fuck, you know, have I missed yeah, yeah. anything? No, all right, I'm just going to stay awake now and get ready so that I don't miss anything. Uh, and and how did you find Eddie? Uh, I mean, have you experienced any any of the mind games? Is he? Uh... Yeah, I, I think he's one of the. Well, obviously, I don't have much to compare to, but I think he's one of the best best coaches in the world with, in terms of figuring out what makes a player tick. Yeah, because I've always been. I feel like if someone addresses me wrong, it's very easy for me to go like, right, fuck, I'm not. I don't want to do this anymore. Like he he toyed around a bit with it the first three days and then like we kind of clicked and then from there he's just been really good at pushing me yeah so uh, from an outsider looking in uh, i've only met eddie i think i've met him twice and you know you don't really get a sense of what he's like as a man manager but from the reports it almost sounds like he creates this sense of chaos to test people and it's a sense of chaos which you know an uncertainty which makes people work harder and drive harder because they're just not entirely comfortable yeah, there's there's definitely uncertainty, and once you realize, once you kind of figure that out, it, you can it almost like spurs you on more. So an example would be from last summer, from going from last summer series into the first like five prem games before the autumn internationals. I remember we played Bristol, and you know we hadn't really spoken since because I hadn't done anything. And then we played Bristol. I played well. He messaged me saying like, "Oh, yeah, really well played. Keep it going." And then from there, I was like, oh, oh, here we go. I could see myself playing against South Africa or at least get into camp. And then, you know, we go to the next week, we play Saris, we're all on a high and we get binned, like 71-10 or whatever it is, binned. And, and then the squad comes out. I'm not in the WhatsApp group. Fuck, okay, right, here we go again. And then yeah. it almost like just keeps pushing you on. You ask them why, you know, you're... I'm, you always you always want to find out what you know what you could have done and he he knows to be fair he sees he sees so much more than than meets the eye i don't think he gives players honest answers about how they can improve i and i know that sounds conspiratorial but i don't think he wants you to know what he thinks i think he just wants you to find it out that i honestly think that i don't know because I, I feel like as a player you just unless you are really stupid you do know what you need yeah to exactly like you, you just do know, and a lot of times you see, you'll hate it. You know when you're at any kind of training and you get that, you know that one nose that's asking something for the sake of it. You, you don't want to be that guy. You, you, like a, a lot of times when I've asked him, it's almost like for closure, so I know exactly what I want to go and do. Yeah. In reality, I know exactly what he's going to say. Yeah. I mean, the amount of times I've asked lads, you know, what what are your work on? They say, be more consistent. I was like, come on, grow up. Be more yeah, consistent. Like, what does that mean? Doesn't work. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of players know, and it's not like Eddie's the only coach that can see people's work on. So like your DOR should be able to tell you anyway. Yeah, yes, exactly. Do you know the the phrase I hate, and I think it must have started high up, and it's worked its way down to club ru- club rugby. Make right decisions. I'm like, come off it. That can't be your advice. Make right yeah. decisions. What do you think? I wanted to make wrong decisions. Yeah, I wish it was that flipping easy. Yeah, uh, like if only if only there was a process I could go through to make right like right decisions in my entire life, I would do that. But it's mm-hmm. just simply not a thing. We it's not a thing thing you can do, particularly not when you're playing sport. Exactly, and 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 because people start saying it, because that saying goes along. I went for a start in the se- I went for a period in the season where my playmaking was just terrible. You know, when you're running like that shape where you have a hard line and someone out the back, yeah, and you make a decision on whether the defender bites or not. I was making the wrong decision every time. And 
it's almost like knocking my confidence because I'm overthinking it. Yes. And in reality, there's I've only seen like three, four, five players in the flesh that can take it to the line, see exactly what the defender's doing in slow motion and make the decision. And I'll give it to him. Sips is probably the like the best player I've ever seen do it. He like, is incredible. When he's been telling me stuff, mate, I've never said it to him, but he's been telling me stuff. I've turned around and I've gone, I'm just not good enough to do that. Like, not yet. <laughs> like, it's, it's nuts. It's, I think it's a talent. I think it's it's a it's God's gift. It's, it's, not, it's something you can work on, but it's the same as if I go and work on my sprint every day, I'm never going to be as fast as Usain Bolt. I think there yeah. are some players that are just naturally gifted at seeing things at the right time. I do think, though, particularly with skills, and I hate saying this because yeah, I think skills are so overrated in rugby. I think you can do them or you can't do them. And I, it's not, it's not that they're overrated, but I think some coaches hang their hat on we are a skillful team and it's at the expense of everything else. So they're very important, but they're not that important that everything else needs to be binned. And I, again, I'm not talking from a professional level here. I'm talking more... You know, club, you know, club, club, club rugby, where this is getting more and more prevalent. But I think they do. All of a sudden, something does just click. Like you get used to the you know, the pace of the game or the timing of the pass, and all of a sudden, it's kind of like you were saying when you first trained with the England boys, like Marcus and whatnot. It just takes a little bit of time to click and gel. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And and you actually need like similar skill levels across the board to push each other quicker. So yeah, someone like someone like Northampton. I think especially, you know, when they're on their game, they dictate the tempo. So they choose the tempo that they play at. And that means that, you know, their timing of the pass, their set piece is so hard to defend. So, you know, in reality, I won't name drop him, but they should have beaten Leicester. They left three tries out there. They did, didn't they? They did. You know, and that, I mean, if anyone was going to do it, they were going to be Leicester at the time. I, I think... If you watch them play, they're incredibly hard to defend against. And they just breed skillful players and they bring in skillful players. Look at look at Tommy Freeman. Didn't play. He was my 20s year. I think he might have only played one game for 20s or didn't play. Oh, really? And then I see him in the Prem squads. I'm like, what? Really? Yeah. Really? And then I watch him play and this guy's timing at the line is immaculate. Yeah. You know, things like that. You can't coach it and it's quite hard to see unless you're training someone in the right way. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, Northampton are a funny one because on their day, they're very good, but their days seem to be kind of in the summer months. And <laughs> you know, they, can, they can get beaten up. I've never heard anyone describe their set pieces scary. And I don't think their set pieces scary, but I think their plays off set piece are quite scary. Like some of their set pieces, woeful, frankly. <laughs> but their plays off set, set piece are great. Their plays off it, yeah. Their plays off it are great. So if you can almost, you know, void their line out and scrum, then, you know, you're in with a chance around the field. Because I think, who was it? Actually, I think it was Eddie. Eddie said at the start of this summer series, he said, I think it was like 70% of tries or 75% of tries are scored in the first four phases. It's all right. Yeah, something crazy like that. So, if you know, that's why you see a lot of teams now, Northampton is one of them, where they'll do like two, three phase moves. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if that is because... I, I'm making this up, by, by, by the way. I'm completely making this up. I wonder if that's four phases because a lot of it is from turnover ball. So you turn it over about, and you yeah, go yeah, through two or three phases before you break them down completely rather than... Because I always think of like, you've got to go through 12 phases or you know be old school Exeter or something. That's how it used score. to be, yeah. That's how it used to be. It kind of... What took it away from the game was the um, that rule change, the flying wedge. Like Exeter did it 
really well in the opposition 22. Yeah. Where you just you get three players around the ball, everyone bind up. It's like a small mall. It's a travesty that was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's made the game a lot more interesting. But um, you see now everything's off. You have a crack off kick return. You maybe have a go for two phases and then you kick back, give them, give them a chance. You don't really see too many teams now going, you know, 20 plus phases because you just get knackered. Look yeah. at um, Bristol. Bristol at the start of the season. Oh my gosh. I feel for them in preseason because they were going wide to wide. Yeah, they were. And in the, se- the first season, it worked really well. No one knew how to defend it, but teams started going, okay, so we'll push up slightly. We'll let them play behind the line. And then we'll just drift off and get them on the edge. And then they'll just keep going side to side. And some, you know, they're going to get tired or drop the ball. Yeah, I, I, I love that bit of analysis there because it just shows how quickly the premiership develops. What mm-hmm. they were great at, they were so good at finding the edge of your defence. But if you just let them play in front of you, they've, they've effectively got nothing. They're going to have to reinvent themselves. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, they've already got that, that starting game plan and then you just you try and build on it. Yeah, and I think it's also... I think it's also an example of a coach getting... Um, well, having a system but not being able to adapt that system. So everyone's adapted to them. I don't think that they've kicked on with with that style to take it to the you know the next place that it needs to be. Yeah, but then again... You win. Imagine you win. What they win? They won the Challenge Cup. They came. They came first in the league or second in the league. Should have beaten Quinns, but didn't. And then bombed out in the semis. You you take that first season and you go into preseason. You can't really. You can't be like, oh, well, Sarri's going to know how we're going to play next season. Yeah. Everyone's going to know how to defend us. So, you know. And once the season started, you can't make changes midway through. Like, I mean, look at look at Bath. You know, you see the changes are so minute. Everything is made in preseason. Yeah, so I've always thought, and this is um, a little bit uh, frivolous with clubs' money, but I've always thought they should employ two sets of coaches. So the first set of coaches should look at what happened last year and formulate a game plan. And then the next set of coaches should get the game plan that the first set of coaches formulated and formulate the game plan to combat that. And the reason is because everybody is going to be working on the game plan to combat last year. So you've got to be two years ahead in order to be ahead of the game. Everyone ends yeah. up playing the same game plan because they've got the same stats. Exactly. And then you see, like, the, it's the teams that innovate first that will either boom or bust. So when Quinn's won, not the most recent Prem, but, the, you know, their Prem before it, they mm. changed up their game plan. They start throwing it around a bit. No one knew how to defend it. That season where Bath got to the finals against Saris, we were running, like, a, a 2 4 2 forward pod formation. Oh, okay, that yeah, yeah. Head around, you know, that with 40, Carl and JJ pulling the strings. And then we get to the next season and we're finishing 10th because everyone knows how everyone like figures it out. Yeah. And not only that, I, you know, if you see a really nice move in the premiership one week, you can guarantee everyone's doing it next week. Everyone wants, everyone wants to give it a go. Without a doubt. You watch like if me and Orlando are watching a game and you see, you see a cool play or you watch anything from the Southern hemisphere, you'll turn around like, yeah, yeah. Give that, that a go. Week. Next thing you know, both us and the opposition team are running the same flip and move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, just back to your thing uh, about the extended phases. Do you know who or I always think of who love extended phases? It's Saracens. Like, they don't necessarily want to take like a 15-phase 15, a 15 defensive set on their own five metre, but yeah. they will take it and they enjoy it so much. Yeah. Like, if you're yeah. going to play extended phases, you, there's certain teams you just do not want to play against. They live off it because they'll get one big shot, two big shot, three yeah. big shot. Next thing you know, 
if I when I was playing ten against them, horrible day. You're suddenly thinking, right? So I can't kick it because we're in there twenty two. I don't want to just pull a crossfield kick out for the sake of it. So do I just continue rinsing my forwards around the corner, or do I try and run it as a backline and then get pushed back ten meters? Yeah, you you. I mean, on TV, you feel them getting stronger. It's mm-hmm. it's incredible, and yeah. they did it in the semi-finals against Quinns. You, you'd think that Quinns are going to score, and yeah, like I say, one big hit, two big hits, and before you know it, they're all high-fiving each other. Like, exactly. okay, that's game over now. Exactly, and the Allianz is a is a you know it looks terrible, but it's a fortress. It's a horrible place to play. Did, uh, did you say that you played ten against uh, Quinn um, against Saracens? Yeah, so we beat Quinns, and then Landy and Landy was still injured. So I then answer. So I then played ten against Saris, and my days so it was a it's a long day. It was mate. We went into it was like the thirty fifth minute. We it was nine points to three to them, and yeah. then suddenly we give away two pens. They score two moves before half time, and then end up beating us like forty points to three. Yeah, because there's that one, and there's the other one at the wreck, which of course oh, must must rank as one of the worst days in Bath history, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to remember perspective. I, I I don't have much to compare it to, but I think it's more the fact that we'd gone a whole new game plan for the season. We went out to sail, should have beaten them. No, you should have. You should have. I was there for that. No, oh, or was uh, I? You, hmm? Just trying to think of if I was there for that game. No, I was there for the lockdown game. No, different okay. game. Yeah, and then we went Newcastle at home. I mean, we just played terribly, but we knew that. And then we uh, we played Bristol, and we were unreal against Bristol. It was like everything had come together. Everyone's like, the the refs come in at the end of the game and said to us, oh, sorry, we've cost you two tries there. So we knew we should have won. Uh, okay. Um, and then going into Saris, I, genu- I normally have a good feel, and I thought, okay, we should beat these guys. And they've come out and just Saracened us, really. Yeah. So... Being where you are in your career, being, being so young, I mean, you must feel now, yeah, okay, bad season, shake it off because you've got the rest of your career to go. Uh, having said that, there must have been some really dark days this season, particularly for the particularly for the older guys. Oh, yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, especially the ones that are from Bath through and through because they, they'd have never, someone like Dunny, you'd n- yeah. never have seen anything. Oh, you got me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. J- j- just about. Yeah. yeah, someone like Dunny would never have seen dark days like this. And then we've we've gone and, you know, had 60-point losses on four or five occasions this season. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I, I think about Anthony Watson. And he he was brought to Bath to win trophies. There's no two ways about it. And, you know, arguably he should have at least have one one premiership underneath his belt now. Yeah. And it just it's just a shame, really, for the guys. Because I think... The batting you've got now is very good. Very, very good. I think about, what, seven years ago, just pre-Sam Burgess, it might have been the best team in, in the country. And it just yeah. didn't quite get there. Yeah. And, you know, it shows in that final. You can just, side note, salaries were breaching the salary cap. At yeah, this point yeah. Time. Oh, uh, and there someone, you go. Someone only brought this up to me the other day. And, I, I, and it kind of broke me because I started realising, like, shit, someone like JJ... When they actually find that out, they they were the silver medalist. That would yeah. have been their premiership, and that would have been you know their one premiership. Well, I mean, you ask Harlequins what they think about you know the Saracens cap breaches internally, and you know they're horrified by it. Yeah, you know, I think I, I actually think that. Uh, what's his name? The old coach from Quinns, not Gustard, the one before that. He's at the RFU now. I'm sure. Oh, uh, what was his name? 
come back to me, Conor O'Shea. I'm pretty, yeah. I'm pretty sure Conor O'Shea was quoted as saying, you know, one of the reasons that he left is, well, we can't compete. You know, they've got this squad, we've got this, um, you know, and we stick stick to the rules. Well, what's the point? So, yeah, yeah there are some hard feelings there. Yeah, yeah. But to be fair, none of the boys are really too salty about it. But, uh, sorry, continuing, you see, like, the, we were playing great rugby, you know, 2-4-2, forward pack, forward pods, no, never been seen before. We've beaten Leicester by, you know, 40-odd points in the semis, and you get to Saris in the final, and they they just do their, their normal thing. They yeah. just kick. They break, did. Break you down end up winning they just got they got players that know how to win, win big games yeah yeah because um i remember they started sam burgess at six that game and yeah. i think you could have done with a bruiser like carl ferns actually just uh, beating people up that's exactly what you needed but one of those things it happens mm. it happens now you know you've always been a bath lad i assume that you're a bath fan uh which is great so you're playing at the team team that you support but looking at the wide world of rugby, are there any sort of milestones that you would like to achieve elsewhere? Because I always think if I was ever good enough to play rugby, I would love to play at Bath because I think that's an, you know, one of the world's great clubs. But then somewhere like Toulouse kind of takes my fancy or maybe somewhere in South Africa. What are you thinking? Um, I, I very much, uh, I try and be as level-headed as possible, like without letting... You don't my... need to be. You're one of the most talented players in the Premiership. You can do what no, you want. Like you can say my, what you want. With my decisions, with, with my decisions um, obviously, I, I'd like to play for England, or I'd like to be recognised as one of the best 12s, you know, in England at the time. Yeah. You know, I don't know how many caps that would conjure me, but we'll, we'll go from there. If I got to the point where I'm unlikely to play, or I don't see myself in the fold... And I don't think we're building towards anything at Bath. I would, you know, I'd love to try France. I'd, I'd love to. Like, mm. look at look at Zach. Um, he's gone over there, almost reinvented himself. I, I just feel like it's a it's a different way to play. You you can you can improve so much over there. Are you a little bit worried though? And I worry about players in this regard because I always think about the career and the money and, and all the rest of it. I sort of mentioned this tangentially before, but you're not worried that a lot of players will ho- are holding on for this England dream playing in the premiership and actually they're probably just better off going elsewhere for a year and then coming back yeah um it's, it's changing up a bit to be fair with french clubs so so they from what i from what i've heard they will tend to either go for experienced internationals or young players with good potential they, yeah. it's almost like the middleman's being squeezed out again yeah it's brutal you isn't find, it you can find those over there in france i feel like as a player you kind of know am I likely to play for England or do I have a chance of playing for England within the next four years or within my next contract? So I feel like that's the question I'd ask myself at the end of these two years. And, you know, someone like actually Marcus, Marcus said this to me at camp. He said when he was debating whether to re-sign at Quinns or not before they went and won the Prem or maybe the season after, he was saying, I'm, he's saying, I'm going to give it one more year and I'm going to observe what's going on around the see if we're building towards something yeah that's it, it's interesting I, I think so many players have got their hopes on england and if it doesn't come off and you've wasted three years of your career well if you're only playing 10 years i mean most, most players don't even play that i just think you know go and yeah. do as much as you can as early as you can but don't listen to me do what you need yeah. to do no 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 <laughs> mate i i agree i agree and you know fans will never want to hear this but in reality, you don't make enough money from rugby to retire. No. And 
you literally never know when you may have to retire. So I may have to retire this year. You, you, you just don't know. So, so you, you ask yourself, if I was in the same situation, but working another job where there's no external pressure, do you switch to another sector to, you know, I'll say it like this, but set up your family for generations. Look, look yeah. at look at Josh Matavesi. Hoops was really, really good with it, but Hoops let him go. Obviously, let me come into the team, but Hoops let him go because Josh had an opportunity that he, you can't really turn down. No, I, I always say rugby is an amazing head start. You know, tw- 21, it's an incredible he- uh, head start, but that's all it is. That, it's literally just a head start because I, I look at my friends at uni and I'm thinking, okay, so I'm earning this much now. These guys are going into pros post-grad jobs but when I retire at 35 if I have a degree I'm starting at the bottom of the of the corporate ladder so yeah it's like let's say like 30k those guys those guys are 12 years into their corporate job so you're talking like my friends will then be earning you know around six figures for for the rest literally for the rest of their lives if they want to yeah and I think it's so important that young players appreciate this I don't think they always do because look if you gave me an academy contract when I was in in university I mean by how I compared to how I lived in university, I'd pretty much be a millionaire. I mean, there's no two other, you know, that, that, yeah. that, that, that's what it means. Yeah, the, the money goes so far at uni, but um, it's all about after, and that's why you, you're seeing a lot more people. This is the first season where I've seen, I've seen quite a few 18 year olds turn down contracts from clubs, mm. or you see people coming out of uni with degrees and they're turning down contracts to go to a club yeah. because they know they'd be earning exactly the same in a corporate job then. One, their body's not getting finished every week. And two, there's, you know, you've got a 30, 40 year career if they want it. Now, I'm going to ask you this, and it's completely um, separate to what we've just been talking about and kind of going back a little bit. But I just wanted to get this from you because obviously, um, you've, in reality, you've only really just gone through the process. Can you just tell me about what your first appearance for the Bath First team was like? Um, do you want to go... So obviously I had the I had the London Irish game, but that was we were down to like twelve men and I got ten minutes. <laughs> um, no, no, uh, you first start you uh, uh, you you first start in um, in the Premiership. First start in the Prem was Sale first game of the season this year, and I remember the team sheets come out and it's flipping Manu starting twelve. Uh, Dupree at 10, I forget who was 13. And then they had Van Rensburg coming off the bench. Yeah, they're meaty, aren't they? Yeah. I think at that point, I didn't really have a grasp of the game and what I was coming up against. So I didn't really have much to be fearful of. Yeah. Um, I actually really enjoyed it. I was just kind of running around, had a good preseason. I was off a massive high from going to Summer Series. Um, I think the main thing was relief, really. Like, Oh, finally! I've I've made my prem. I've made my first prem game. Like it's fine. The the counter stops now. I've done it at twenty. Like I don't have to worry anymore. Yeah, exactly now, right. How many more weeks can I keep doing this for? Yeah, I, I can't imagine what an awesome feeling. What an awesome feeling that must be. Particularly, I mean, that that was the game at the rack, yeah. Uh, no, that was away at Sale. The, was it? The, the week after was Newcastle at home, and that was that yes, just kind of, of it was. made. Newcastle at home, running out of full wreck, and then getting. I got like the we lost. I got like the Paul Roger man of the match, so I I played well for Bath, and you know the like hearing my name in the in the stands, like people are shouting my name, and it, it's nuts. It is nuts. It is literally what dreams are made of. And how is your dad taking all of this? 
Because I guess he's kind of reliving his own career in a way. Yeah, he, he takes it terribly, terribly. Oh, I'm, really? I'm very, as, as I said earlier, like, and coaches will hate me for it, but I just don't really care that much when I'm playing. Yeah. I will do anything if I'm trying to win. So that's why you see some looseness. He almost takes all the nerves from me. He has, he's the nervous one. He's the one messaging me loads before the game. Um, he's the one that, you know, can't watch certain games because he's so he's so worried about me and performing well yeah yeah i think a father's worry is very different to a mother's um a mother's worry i, I, I bet he's all about yeah just just win and do well rather than yeah. uh, anything else yeah because he like to be fair for a forward he actually has a great knowledge of the game which is <laughs> for a forward. but no for a number eight <laughs> yeah. he, like he actually he knows a lot mum on the other hand is kind of all pick the the best bits i've had even if i had a shocking game would be like yeah that was sick but with with me and my dad we're very much on this you know same wavelength we both know when something's poor or not yeah that's actually been quite quite helpful uh having someone who's actually been through because it's not in my mind playing for bath is not really navigating professional rugby it's navigating bath which is a completely different beast in of itself because it's such a small town it's a rugby mad town someone's yeah. been through all that I mean, I, I love it. I love it. I don't know what other towns are like, but I can't really get enough of it because the bar fans almost elevate the young players that are through bar so much that you just you just really want to play. Like someone like Miles Reed, that guy will never leave bar rugby. Yeah, yeah. He He's a great player as well. So much. Like there's so many players that just love the fans, love the city and will do anything to win for them. Yeah, I've got a feeling, you know, next year is going to be a lot better. I, I really hope it is. I hope so. We it, almost like me, Orlando getting dropped from England early kind of works in Bath's favour. Cam being injured and not going on the summer tour with Scotland works in Bath's favour. And then JJ being around, so you've almost got all your all your five eights, your centres. Everyone's there from yeah. to do the whole eight weeks. And Whereas, I, and like if you were going to just what is in your mind if there is one, what is that missing piece at Bath? Bath need. I don't really know. I've, almost like a... I, I don't think we worked on our structure enough last pre-season. You yeah. look at our game, we go like five phases, and then suddenly it's like <laughs> people are running like headless chickens. Yes. Um, you know, I feel like once we've got a structure that we can stick to and be fine with that will essentially draw us a game, then you, you've got your, you know, your X-Factor players outside of that that will then push the game forward. Excellent, mate. We've been going. Go, we've been nuttering here for an hour. Yeah, as we got. Mate, I love rugby. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, mate. The amount of the amount of the amount of people that play rugby who do not like rugby is ridiculous. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm hoping it stays this way. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the ultimate is 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 uh, Jamal Ford Robinson. Like, just doesn't really pay attention to anyone that plays rugby. He loves playing rugby. Doesn't love yeah. watching rugby. Oh, loads, loads of people. You ask. Uh, I can. Can I drop? Can I, can I name drop? You, uh, there's a very prominent England player. I, I say, uh, and if he's not playing, I, I say, hey, uh, do, do you know how your club have done it this week? Oh, I've seen the WhatsApp, but that's it. Doesn't doesn't watch the game. Yeah. Couldn't care less. Fair, fair play. I feel like once you move away from your home club, it can get like that. Oh, he plays for his home club. He, okay, he he's a home club great, but uh, right. we should leave it that. Anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, mate. Uh, are you a social media user much? 
Yeah, yeah, I, I I pay attention. I do enjoy having a look. Do you want to uh, give out your give give out your social media handle so, so so everyone can find you? Oh Christ! Okay, <laughs> my uh, my Instagram's just Max Ojomo, and then my Twitter's Ojomo M. Pretty simple. Simple, simple, mate. Simple. Best of luck, and I'm sure when Bath do start winning games, you're going to be a major part of why they are winning. I hope so. I hope so, mate. <laughs> Definitely. Right, I will just save that, mate. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.